0: Hello and welcome to Machinery Matters, a podcast brought to you by Farm Contractor and Large Scale Farm Magazine. In this uh, slightly delayed but extended edition of the podcast, I, Matthew Tilt, will be speaking to Richard Broom of LSBD, or Line Search Before You Dig, about the company's recent growth and the benefits of searching for utility networks before you undertake any groundwork. I'll also be speaking to Sam Wood from the company Navtech who will be telling me about all the latest radar technology and its possible agricultural uses. Before we get to the interviews though, there's loads of things happening in the agricultural world at the moment. Not just a huge amount of European shows with SEMA and Ema just a few days away, Eurotier happening in Germany and Baumer having just finished, uh, which uh, you'll hear a little bit more about in the Sam Wood interview. All of which you'll be able to see a review of in the December issue of Farm Contractor magazine, along with the winners of Tractor of the Year. In other news, Ray Valley Tractors has taken on the New Holland franchise, as well as expanding its area further into Wales and across into Warwickshire. New. Uh, speaking of New Holland of Readers of the magazine may have seen November issue the first ever New Holland grape harvester self-propelled grape harvester first new one to be precise has been sold to a farm in near the Ernest depot in Perlow And in some good news for tractor registrations, although perhaps just an indication of how difficult the last few years have been in this industry, tractor registrations for October were 25.3% higher than they were in 2021. Not only that, there was 10% more tractors registered than in the five-year average. It's the largest for the time of year since 2016, with 926 machines registered. And finally, though I'm a bit nervous to uh, say this news, given how often uh, political figures have changed over the last couple of months, and actually between the last two episodes of Machinery Matters, but Therese Coffey uh, has been appointed as Secretary of State for DEFRA, Following a very, very short uh, Liz Truss uh, Prime Minister outing. Uh, It's an interesting time, and uh, yeah, that we'll try and keep everyone up to date in the magazine. But moving on from political things, let's go on with the interviews. Please remember to like the podcast and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm joined by Sam Wood. He is the Product Manager for Industrial Automate Automation at Navtech Radar. He's gonna be talking to us about of the products and how they can possibly fit into an agricultural context. Sam, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you very much, Matthew. Good to be here.
0: Thank you very much. Um, now you guys are heading off to uh, Balmer in about a week, from now aren't you and uh, you'll be showcasing some of your products bauma isn't necessarily a wholly agricultural event but there's obviously some crossover there so could you talk us through a couple of the project products you're hoping to showcase there
1: yeah, of course. So, so spot on. I mean, um, so we're really, really excited about Bama um, um, next week. Um for, for us, uh the, the the reason we're going is really it's a kind of we see it as a hub of knowledge, um, and we know that they there's there's a couple of sectors that it represents, particularly construction, mining, and, and agriculture. Um so we um we're really excited basically to be kind of understanding a little bit more about, about, about the agricultural um, industry. And we've, we've been working um, most of the work we've done to date has mostly be primarily been in the mining sector over the last uh, 20 years, but we are starting to kind of work with, with kind of key kind of leading players in the, the ag um, sector. And we're starting to see um, some significant progress. And this is where this gives us confidence as we we, we go to Balmer. So we um, are showcasing three, um, Uh, new products. Um, at Bama this year. Um, and um yeah, so the, the first one that we we we're looking for um, or looking to kind of promote is the CIR Gen 2. So Navtech produces um FMCW uh scanning radar systems. And we've we've designed them for mission critical applications for over 20 years. Um and there's three segments of the business. Um, a segment of the business that looks at highways, so this is uh, vehicle flow detection, and we we've have installation across Europe um, and particularly in in, in the UK. Um, And we've got a security sector which looks at putting radars um, as part of... secure sites such as airports. So we've got radars at places like San Francisco Airport that are looking for intruder protection. But then the segment of the business that I, I represent is in the industrial automation segment. This is putting uh, radars on large bits of infrastructure to automate um, processes um, with a big focus in mining, but increasingly through robotics and, and autonomous um, and vehicle technology. The, um, our main flagship product is called the CIR, so it's the Compact Industrial Radar Sensor. And this year we're um, really excited to be promoting our, our generation to um, of this kind of flagship product, so there's a host of uh, updates to to the product. So we've made it um, more robust. We've made it. We've got a new um, update rate. There's some changes to to the way we we can time synchronize the, the sensor, um, and it's a it's a big improvement from what we what we've had in the past. And we're really excited um, kind of moving forward with this. Um, the other the other uh, sensor we've got is is called the the cast. So this is a bit of a sneak round, um the corner. So this won't be available to the end of next year, but this is taking the same kind of uh, performance that we get from or similar performance that we get from the CIR and packaging it in a much smaller and um, uh, um, smaller and 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 uh, Less heavy uh, package, basically, for to target smaller vehicles where it's maybe not feasible to have a, a larger sensor on board, which we have found in in places like the mining sector. And then our third, the third product we're really excited about is um, called Taran 360. So this is actually a collaboration with another Oxford-based company, um, Oxbotica, who were uh, spun out of the Oxford University um, almost, almost ten years ago, and and uh, we we've taken uh, their world-class localization algorithms and we've built them into a radar Positioning system effectively that basically allows a uh a robot or a machine to know exactly where it is um, in any weather condition independent of gps signals and independent of infrastructure um and, and and that's a that's a product that we're really really excited about going forward i mean that all sounds
0: incredible i guess when most people think of radar technology they would have these images of old submarine films, Das Boot with uh, maybe um, <laughs> with uh, like a little blip on the screen and beeping. And it is more about locating vehicles, as you said. So how do you guys envision this fitting into, say, precision agriculture?
1: Yeah, so so absolutely. I mean, radar's been around for coming up to almost 100 years, um, and it's been really successful in multiple sectors and it's the reason why it's been so successful over the years is it's an all-weather sensor so if you think um, about um, maritime applications or air traffic control systems or in military surveying um military surveying applications all of those rely on need a sensor that will work in any weather condition be relied upon in and for twenty four hours a day, um, and it has very very high levels of availability, and that's why Radar's been succe- so successful over the years as that all weather uh, sensor, and that's why um, a lot of. Uh, companies throughout things like places like mining where um 24 hour operation is required are starting to um adopt radar um as as a as a technology to underpin their, their um, autonomous um systems. Now you, you kind of say that a radar is is its to, to locate vehicles. Now we 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 actually at Navtech have two uh use cases for for our, our technology particularly in the case of vehicles so in some applications such as our highways applications we put radars as part of the infrastructure on the motorways so the radars are actually static to prov- to detect um vehicle flow um as the vehicles move past and you could think in an agricultural um, setting this could be putting radars around around a farm to track them and track objects coming into the um into the in into the in the field and one of one of the applications that we have had a conversation about in the past um, with, with one of the um, major players in, in, in the ag industry is um, around security of um, autonomous uh, operations. So making sure that if somebody who is not um, supposed to be there breaks into the field, the whole system knows that there is somebody walking around the field that shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. So that would be from a static position. But what um, Another way, of, uh, another another application for us is around putting the radars on the vehicles themselves. So this is putting the radar on the say, tractor and being able to perceive what is out there. And for, for any um, robot um, or, or machine to autonomously operate, it needs to know where I am what what's around me and then it needs to know then it can answer the question or what should I do or what should I do next or how should I move and if it doesn't know where it is or what's around it and it it can it can really suffer and and um, where I am is particularly acute for precision farming Mm -hmm. so you need to know where the tractor is in, in in the field for it to to be able to um to, to be able to fill that and um, function and actually we're typically most machinery in agriculture has been using has gps really successfully and the developments in gps over the years have been fantastic but there are these edge cases that are cropping up as autonomous systems are, are starting to to mature in the market which we're seeing where gps is has vulnerabilities i mean examples like under natural coverage so in vineyards yeah. or orchards clearly gps has has limitations there and actually that it is beneficial to aid the navigation of of these vehicles with alternative positioning systems okay. um people are typically turning to lasers cameras optical based systems these while being great for for in inside robotics or or robotics which are very controlled or not dirty or um, don't need to work in any weather condition. But agriculture isn't like that, right? So you need to be able to have that 24-hour operation. You need to be able to work in heavy dust, like they, like they do, for example, in almond um, or orchards. Um, and you need to be able to survive the incredibly harsh environments that, that farming that farming um, present, presents. And that's where we kind of see the opportunities for radar. I mean, we, as I say at the beginning, we, we have primarily worked in, in the mining sector. And the good reason for that is over the last 20 years, Mining has started to really adopt automation and have got expensive processes where actually they can, uh, they know how much they're going to yield it, 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 from a mine over a very long period of time. So that kind of return on investment becomes quite. Um, it is more clear for them with, with, with these expensive technologies. But as we see um, automation technology becoming cheaper and making its way into agriculture, that's where we see the opportunity. The twenty four hour operation, the requirement to work in any weather condition, in heavy dust, um, and, and and very and very harsh conditions, and that's where we're kind of seeing the, seeing the crossover at, at the moment. Um the other the other part of precision farming that um, might be worth uh, noting is we for one particular application we were speaking to um, a, li- a leading player on this is around the uh, wind turbines across Europe becoming more and more commonplace in 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 fields and actually they can start to interfere with with GPS signals and actually hinder the ability of of GPS like to provide that. a really accurate position. I wasn't aware that
0: wind turbines could have that impact I mean I think most of our listeners, that big thing would be, especially if you're using the kind of mobile data GPS system, mm. that um, coverage of mobile phone signal or any signal in some areas of the UK can be uh, a bit tricky to uh, take advantage of. So I guess something like radar, where you don't have that limitation, already has natural advantage.
1: Of course, that's prevalent as well in 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 UK-based farms in in places mm. like America and Australia, where you've got really good line of sight to the sky. GPS can work really well, but if you're in a valley or, yes. or, or you have different coverage of trees near the edges of the fields or the perimeter of the fields, that can be more problematic as well. That's the point? Okay. And um,
0: so you mentioned you mentioned that a lot of the history of this has been through kind of mining and industrial operations has is agriculture something that navtech has looked at before or is this a very new kind of development i
1: I would say it's newer and I think the big the big reason uh, is newer for us is just um auto, autonomous farming is 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 still emerging I would say mm. um, it, there are there are a few kind of actual commercial. Uh, large scale deployments and we're at the beginning. Whereas if I look at say uh, the mining industry or particularly say the ports industry, which we've worked with for a while, so um, transportation of containers around ports, they've had automated ports or automated with no humans involved for almost 20 years now. Um, they're very repetitive, they can control them, they can geofence these locations, they're doing the same thing every day. Um, so the, the problems are, are slightly less complicated. But the, the the cost involved, the savings involved over twenty years are enormous, um, and so I think we, we we've seen that's where we've operated primarily. But as we as as automation becomes becomes cheaper and and, and the actual algorithms that are required to run stop start to be uh, designed and become efficient and to run on computers that you can you can conceivably put in in commercial vehicles. Um, we are seeing this kind of trend towards um, uh, automation in in, in agriculture and and Navtech wants to be a part of that. So one of of the moves we've made for for, um, applications such um, such as you find in agriculture is looking at how we can create our, take our, sensing technology that's worked in ports and mining but actually miniaturize it make it make it make it um uh, smaller make it uh, way less for smaller platforms like we find it find in agriculture um, and actually looking at how we can provide kind of Benefits over a long period of time for 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 people in these industries. So, for example, radar in comparison to cameras never needs cleaning. We we operate in in iron mines in in, in um, iron ore and um, ports in in eastern Australia where the radars get covered in in dust. And we don't need that. That's a real kind of headache in the ports industry where you have to have someone going around cleaning all the lenses. So one of the big benefits of, of radars, you don't need to clean it. It will work in any weather condition. So we hope that over a long period of time, that's where the uh, the, the real sort of benefits come in. Is, and the sensor has been designed for that kind of long-term autonomy that, that the world is moving towards
0: um so i mean obviously then radar becomes brilliant at, like you said recognizing things in the field things that an autonomous vehicle might kind of bump into if the radar system wasn't active how does Can this system then be used as a replacement for GPS guidance and actually guiding an autonomous vehicle
1: across the field? So it's a really, it's a really good question. Um, so, uh, I mean, as you rightly point out, the radar can be used primarily for really for two functions. So, what's around me, and then then where am I? The where am I um, point. Really, we we to be honest, we GPS is a fantastic technology. Um, we're not looking to replace GPS, but more augment GPS for when it's struggling in points in parts of the the field which 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 it struggles with. Um, so, a lot of a lot of the people we generally are working with already have a GPS, it's already part of their workflow. They they, they they understand how it works, but they also understand the limitations. What we're proposing is by augmenting the GPS position with a radar position, then we end up with a total solution that basically can provide a really reliable position when GPS isn't available, when GPS is not half available, but also fundamentally works in any weather condition, um, which we feel that cameras and and laser-based systems um, have fundamental issues um, um, on. The question around perceiving, though, is a really interesting one, and that's another uh, really hot topic for for radar technology in in the agricultural um, sector. So, looking at how do you make sure, as you say, the, the machines don't bump into each other. But really, this is, really comes from a driver around safety. It's making sure we don't bump into people or damage equipment. And so one of the one of the really uh, interesting things that, that we, we're we finding in the ag-, ag industry is it's not, um, it's not a simple uh, environment to work in. You've got a really complex environment. You can have things left in the field, equipment left in the field quad bikes, fuel tanks left, air compressors. And actually we, what we need is a system that can detect these objects, understand what they are and and, and let the machine understand how to navigate around them or alert an operator to, 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 to um, intervene. So what you're saying then is that they would have their GPS
0: system and RTK system that's guiding mm. them up their AB lines and working alongside it, your radar system would then say hang on a minute there's something here in the field and it would either and obviously we're talking about autonomous vehicles here rather than something with someone sat in the cab necessarily and there's something here and it would be able to then adjust
1: their their line around it's that kind of yeah. so that, that, that that's the hope so we um so if, if, for example, it, um, the, I guess there's two levels of thought. So a lot of the systems that we've worked with in the past, we, we kind of class as automated systems. So um, a bit like a machine working on a lead. If a bale falls in front of the tractor and it needs to stop, an automated system would stop and you a human would have to intervene. An autonomous system would perceive that there's a bale there and understand how to navigate around it. So it depends on how kind of complex these machines really get. But ultimately, what's fundamental to these these, uh, systems is always knowing where they are um, throughout that manoeuvre. So it's a little bit dependent on um, case by case. But I guess the key thing for, for this is that... What what radar offers is the ability to 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 perceive the world and understand where you are, regardless of the weather condition, regardless of the lighting condition, regardless of kind of any any type of environment, which is which is the beauty. I mean, the other the other key thing with 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 these systems is, I mean, while cameras are fantastic, they produce beautiful images that are highly, highly data-rich um, with color and, and a really, really great angular resolution. They do they do struggle with different lighting conditions, and the, and the models that are required to run the kind of detection algorithms can be quite, quite weighty as well, um, whereas radar data is incredibly efficient with, with its storage, um, and, and again, it, will, it, it doesn't um, matter with lighting conditions. Bit of a tricky question
0: now, and I'll understand that you possibly don't want to be Quoting prices and sorts. But this radar will obviously replace certain sensors and certain camera systems within the build of a tractor or an autonomous vehicle. How competitive then is radar technology compared to uh, these other sensors? Because at the end of the day, this is an additional technology on top of the GPS systems that. People will already be
1: investing in and already optioning. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the uh, there's, there's a couple of ways to to, to look about this. So, I mean, for example, I mean, ca- camera-based cameras um, can be incredibly cheap, but if you have incredibly cheap cameras, generally they don't have incredible performance as well, and they're limited. So, in terms of what w- we hope to be offering, is a system that works in in all these different conditions, so that you don't aren't limited by when you use the technology. So what what we, how we like to think about kind of automation is, is it, it, automation isn't just kind of replacing um, human-based tasks. It's actually making the tasks makes humans able to perform those tasks beyond the capabilities of our senses, i.e. our, our eyes. So um, it's about making sure that the that we can we can kind of operate across very very large uh, operating windows, um, and actually the um, over say a five or five or seven year period of having the sensor on board, not having to clean it, being able to operate, use it any anywhere, um, there's a there's a real cost saving. Now one of the one of the uh, in, ter- in terms of where where we where we sit. We, we aren't as, as cheap as camera-based systems, but certainly very competitive with other radar-based systems and, and laser-based systems um, that are on the market. Um, and actually in terms of the performance you get, you know that kind of under 10-centimeter level positioning um, it, it is really incredible over such long period of, period of time. Okay, and I mean, on your
0: point about cheap cameras and things like that, actually when you start looking at the uh, optical technology and the ability to process that data, those cameras are no
1: longer cheap, anymore anyway, so. Well, I mean, one one of the things that um, we so so I, I'll take for example uh, map, maps that we create for for positioning. Um, are the maps that radars create because of the efficiency in, in the data format, I we we're, we're around ten or 20, ten to twenty megabytes per kilometer, um, typically, which. If you were to say map the length of the Thames, that would probably mean the whole map was under kind of 70 gigabytes around. around. So the maps are very lightweight. The data rate is very lightweight. Um, and really that means in terms of the infrastructure that you need to, to support these uh, systems, just the storage, the kind of bandwidth that's is required is, is lower and the, and the algorithms that can be deployed on much cheaper, lower cost um, and, uh, control units basically. Which brings the whole cost of the whole solution down, and that's what we're really targeting: super efficient, super lightweight algorithms that provide long, world, long, long kind of long-term benefits through all weather capabilities. Um, and that's where we really see the cost saving over a long period of time.
0: Okay. And uh, you mentioned at the start that you've been partnering partnering with different OEMs to uh, use this radar technology out in the field. Are you also partnering with a software companies to develop decision and culture mapping technology?
1: Yeah, absolutely and there's and, and so our kind of uh, how how we've worked in the past we've partnered with with end users that want to kind of spin up pilots and test something on a, on a small scale. but we've also obviously worked with, with OEMs and, and as you say working in tandem with uh, OEMs that want to produce or who are looking to produce precision agriculture um systems the other the other part that we're seeing increased interest from is actually uh universities and research-based groups in in the autonomous um space and and really pushing the, be- the kind of limit on what they can can do with the technology so that's another a, a big interest particularly in the states we've got we get a lot of um work over there for that
0: okay well uh that's brilliant sam thank you very much i think we've run through the questions quite well there and uh yeah, thank you for joining me. Oh, I sure. hope everything goes well at Balmer and Thank you very uh, much. The, the response is exactly what you guys are hoping for. Hello. Are you enjoying listening to Machinery Matters? Well, then, you're probably looking for a podcast all about the arable industry too. I'm John Swire, and you can join me in my monthly podcast, Arable Chatter, discussing agronomy and arable-based topics with special guests from the industry, available to stream on all major podcast platforms. I am joined by Richard Broom. He is the managing director of LSBUD, or Line Search Before You Dig. Have I got that right
2: for Richard? Yeah, sounds about yeah. right, Matthew.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a online platform that allows people to search for anything that may be under their soil before they undertake any work. And uh, we've recently announced kind of record search figures on the uh, platform so thank you very much for joining us and could you tell us a little bit about how the platform works
2: yeah thank you Matthew Um, so the platform works effectively it's there for anyone who wants to put a spade or a digger bucket in the ground and wants to do so safely um, to help them understand what might be below before they start work so um, it's it's a free to use service and it's open to anyone Um, and, and and our role is to help Provide information about uh, the major networks to the people digging the holes, um, and that can be for any reason, from uh, a garden fence, a pond in your back garden, all the way through to HS2, and then a lot of agricultural works in in, in the middle of that as well.
0: Mm. Of course, yeah, it's easy to forget. Like you see a nice open field, you want to put something, uh, maybe a fence across it to split into paddocks. It's easy to forget there's a whole
2: network under the uh, ground absolutely yeah there's 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 a lot of reasons why why landowners and and those working on on um in agricultural settings need to need to you know do things that might interrupt underground utilities um it's not uh, i'd have to say it's not just underground we also share information about although the risk to those is is more it's more obvious to see them but there's obviously yeah. a risk to them as well with especially uh, you know you Using um, large large machinery in fields, um, and and so it's it's protection of all utility assets, but it's in particular those ones under the ground that might be affected by things like, as you say, a, a post and post and wire stock fencing mm. looks like a normal safe thing to do, but if you put that post in the wrong place, then it, it can soon turn into a, a, you know a, a severe incident. And this it might seem obvious
0: to those listening, but why is this so important? I mean, how many on how many injuries or incidents are caused by hitting kind of this underground net?
2: Um, you know, it's a re- it's a really interesting question, and and one of the things we've been lobbying for um, across the industry is is better reporting of damage. And now, there's so many people that work near these these uh, networks. We we handle about fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand searches some days um, across the, the country. Now, it doesn't take a, you know just a small percentage of those um, having a, having an issue causes a lot of numbers you know, in terms of near misses and, and potential mm-hmm. incidents. But the problem is, Matthew, there's 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 not there's not a, a defined and, and organised way of reporting damages, mm-hmm. and so the numbers out there are are particularly uncertain, and so it's very hard to measure where, what we're doing as an industry. We're working hard with with um, coordinating with industry to to help improve that, but just, the, so I, I can't give you a specific number. There's been this number of 60,000 a year, which has been um, discussed and, and and sort of um, transposed from one uh, a magazine or, or article mm. to the next, and no one really knows the source. It's a little bit of a, a myth now, but what we do know is that there's, there's at least three and a half, maybe four million works every year. Um, and as I say, just a small percentage of those could, can lead to a high number yes um, oh. in, in terms of why it's important is the the some of the initial the, the first people that, that joined our service are the high pressure oil and fuel pipelines and i don't th- think it's um hard to sort of envisage the issues when you when you know that those those are not so hugely deep so they are run at about a meter deep mm. um, but they can carry up to 10 tons of fuel a minute so uh, yeah the
0: no matter how quickly you repair that that's a massive loss
2: without taking
0: without even taking the risk to life
2: exactly you know there's there's the obvious you, you think about fuel there's the the obvious risk um of of explosion but then there's the environmental risk and you can imagine that being a um, a problem for decades to 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 follow if 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 something like that happened, which is why, which is why we work so hard to try and 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 do you know make, make the industry aware that this is a, a free to use service that people can use and and really should um, to help them keep safe around those types of networks and 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 all the other ones we look after as well. Okay. Okay, I'm going to jump forward a question just
0: because I feel like it links to what you just said. Then um, you're working with the majority of the distribution networks in the UK. Then so, um, gas lines, fuel lines, like you said, um, electricity, all sorts of uh, all sorts of companies. It's obviously in their interest to be part of this scheme as well as to the end users' interest. To protect themselves. Uh, did you have to chase companies when LSBUD started or
2: did they kind of come to you? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, so we're part owned by two companies, we're a joint venture, one of mm-hmm. which um, is a company called Fisher German. Um, yeah. Fisher German were looking after some of the fuel pipelines at that time. So in the early 2000s, they were looking after those manually. Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting, it was um, uh, um, one of one of the ladies in the office who was responsible for that. And the the, the sort of the piles of paper coming in, the you know, the look the, the demise of the fax machine. We actually we got faxes back then. We had um, the odd email. We had letters, all for people saying, "I'm working here. Can you tell me if there's something there?" And uh, that was get that pile of paper was getting quicker than we could process them. Um, and so we it was. It, the innovation to to to, to start LSbud actually came from that. So we were already looking after these networks, but just doing it on a manual basis. Uh, so we started LSbud with uh, four different companies, mainly yeah, all, all actually fuel pipeline operators. And over time, that's that's grown and the snowball sort of grown. Um, and the beauty of that model is that the more asset owners are on there, the better it is for the user. So if you <clears throat> if you've got a field in in in, in Cornwall or Aberdeen doesn't matter, um, it, but what you want from that is is to get a, a positive uh, response. So you you want to know if, if you're looking for an electricity c- a cable or a gas pipeline that you you might think is there or you, you believe it could be, you want to get that one from one search. So our drive is to get more and more members on, um, and the more members on, the more the, the better response for the user. So the user has to do that one search get 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 a lot of information back. So over time, it's, it's, it's taken some time to get that across all the different industry sectors, because mm-hmm. each one of those works slightly differently. They've got those different priorities with oil and fuel. It's 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 more obvious with gas yeah. again, it is, you know, because there's a, there's a threat to, to, to people's safety um, and there and the oil gas electricity are the are the, are the three main sectors that we look after and we've got a, a very good coverage in those um we always caveat it to saying we're not we haven't got everyone on and so no. we're we're now trying to get more telecoms and water companies that where the the risks is still huge you know in, in terms of water loss we've all seen those sort of geese yeah. <laughs> of water coming out um when when the, when something goes wrong but there's it, it's just it's a sort of incremental approach to the to the industry and and those different sectors and they have taken they have taken some some convincing about the benefits but the the, the really rewarding thing is 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 how those members stay with us because they they keep seeing those um those those positive interactions with the, with the people working around them and the reduction of damages to those networks so yeah no that makes a huge, that makes a lot of sense
0: and I I mean the financial savings to these companies just by being involved and potentially reducing the risk of an
2: instance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's more, more obvious in those, in those, those higher sort of consequence um, networks, but there's, there's, there's regulatory benefits for all networks. So or, mm. every regulator of every network of the, um, of those that are regulated is, Is um focused on on making sure that people stay connected so whether that's the end if you think of anyone in their home um you 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 turn the tap on you expect water to come out the tap you know you you flick the light switch on you expect there to be light and and um god forbid if 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 the wi-fi goes down and the kids can't watch x y or z um but every one of those from a consumer perspective is getting more and more demanding um and 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 the expectation from everyone is that it's always on Mm. and so every network or every network operator needs to be resilient to make sure that if someone does accidentally strike it um and and damage it and whether that is a telecoms network a broadband cable or a a major water water pipeline um, is is to make sure those those customers are, are connected at all times so that that there's with with more and more networks in the ground more people connected it's 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 an ever increasing demand um, and pressure uh, on on those networks to to keep them connected so huge issues um the it's it it is a sort of it's a it's a combined responsibility because those networks need to keep people connected but the people working near them need to work safely too you know it's not it's not one one side or the other that needs to do something if you're if you're digging a hole then, or you're asking people to do that for you, you need to help ensure that they're doing so safely um, and and do everything you can. So it's a, it is a, it's a shared responsibility to, to keep us all safe.
0: Okay. So you, you have this field that, you know, you're going to do some work in. Do you need, when you go on to LSBUD, do you need um, the coordinates of that? field do you can you link to google maps or what three words how how do people locate their field within the system and then out
2: so. yeah great great question so so um you can you can first of all you have to register so that's that's mm-hmm. the same way as registering on 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 most online things you have to put your email address in and and, and get a verification link and 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 the usual in that respect, but that's a one-off process. It's very, very simple. Uh, once you've got that account, then you can you can actually go into the field if you want to um, and, and use your mobile device and that, that will ping the GPS and, and, and show you on the map where you are. Then you can draw the polygon to sort of show if you're doing a whole field um, yeah. or if you're following a ditch or you're doing some fencing or whatever, you can, you can put a shape in or a polygon to um, outline that area. Um, Most effectively, Uh, you can use grid references. You can, we've just recently actually changed to Google Maps and that was Mm. almost entirely for the agricultural sector um, uh, because it was the best mapping software to, to show Field boundaries and whether it's a COPS or, or, or a hedgerow, that you can actually see it and you can you can measure that out or you can identify it most effectively when you're searching. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, you can do that. What three words is something that you know we, we, we love? We love the the, the platform. What, what three words? And it's something that is in our development roadmap. It's not quite there yet, um, but it but it, it it's 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 a, a planned future um, development.
0: Okay, and using your mobile phone is that for a dedicated app or is that going onto the website for kind of yeah,
2: your um, internet? we're just updating the app at the moment but the, the 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 app is the app will be available um but at the moment there's a there's a device responsive um a, you know, a responsive website that you can use so just go onto the normal website on your phone and it'll it'll recognize that there's a you're using it on a mobile um and then you can you can use the g p s of your phone to do to do that okay
0: and then i mean one of the reasons we're saying speaking now is because there was obviously recently news about a huge uptake in searches for lsbud over the last 18 months really talking thousands of people a month hundreds of people a day um do you think this is an indication of a bit of a change in mindset of people taking the risk seriously around utility pipes and underground networks.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, it would be disingenuous for me to say that it's it's all agriculture. You know, it's um, no. the, the, the the biggest um, the biggest user of our system really is the utility sector. So, as 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 I'm sure anyone listening will know the the sort of pressure on the electricity network so the electrification of heat and, and 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 vehicles um and then the gigabit broadband rollout so there's loads of work going on in those sectors that are demanding more digs um so more and more ex- excavations um ac- across the whole country for all sorts of different reasons but the thing that we've been really pleased about is that in the um agricultural and domestic um sectors i suppose those people from, from the people from those sectors uh, they're getting there's some really really strong increases um so i think from 2020 to 2021 we had a 76 percent growth in those that were searching for agricultural purposes so okay. which is which, which is great and um although the numbers are still slightly smaller than what we'd like to do that it's it's growing really well hmm. um and that and that's why, you know the the agricultural sector is a really difficult sector to to speak to every farmer in the country or every contractor or every you know every, every tenant or you know there's there's so many different platforms and forums to, to try and get to those to those people but we're really keen to do that um so that that when we, we understand but, you know I, I went to an agricultural college i, I, I understand about how, how you know the mentality of of, of the agricultural community and I, I hope I wouldn't upset anyone in saying that utility networks are not the first thing they think of when they go out to start a job. No. Um, there's there's plenty more on their plate and plenty more pressures to to um, for them to consider, but. What we're just trying to do is say please just think about like this a few days in advance you know if you're going to be replacing a fence even even if it is just replacing even not not just new but if you're replacing a fence if you're clearing a ditch if you're doing some deep ground works whatever that might be it's just to think about it and, and, that, and that initial thing is just doing that quick search you know if you're if you're fairly au fait with 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 using a computer it will be less than a minute when 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 you get used to it um but even five minutes to the first one is you're going to be able to do it in that sort of time so if you can just take that time to make yourself aware of what might be there um and to start that process of working safely it'd be, it, it, you know it could it could save your life you know it, it mm. sounds a little bit you always feel a bit flippant saying that but it genuinely could you know the these things can kill people if they if they're not sort of respected. So it's a, hopefully an easy, an easy message for us to put out there, that it's a, it's a free to use service that can, um, save, save your life.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder if, uh, I misspoke there while I said changing mindset, cause I guess actually it's, it's more about just having easily available information. And that tends to be, we've, we've seen it across all kind of technology and agriculture when it becomes easy to use and easily available, people actually use it when it's, when it's complicated and like um, having to find underground pipes and having to go back to an old maps and things like that, and old references to where they were, it makes a very, what should be a simple job very complicated and time consuming.
2: Totally agree. You know, I grew up on a farm and I would have never, I'd have never thought of it. Mm. Uh, you know because because you're in a different mindset when you're on your own on, on your own land or land that you're really aware you know you're really uncomfortable um, and, and, and aware with it's a different mindset to someone that goes and um digs in a in a highway that they've maybe never been to or certainly don't occupy <laughs> you know they wouldn't occupy it um but it's it's something that that sort of who you need to contact and how you need to contact them that's why that's why we really want to be here um, to make sure that we we provide an easy to use service that's not deeply technical. We don't ask, we hope we don't ask any, we don't think we do um, any hard to answer questions or difficult things or, or put barriers in place. We're there to help people use the service um, and, the, and the members, the asset owners they are so we have the users, the people using the service and the members of the asset owners that are providing their data. Uh, they bring us in to to help that be as easy as possible to their customers or, their, or the people working near the network. So it, that's exactly the, the sort of um, the problem statement we're trying to get to is I'm, I'm someone in a field, uh, you know, I'm, hopefully I want to do the right thing, or if, I, if I'm aware I want to do the right thing, how can we help that person do it more easily? Um, and that's, that's, that's what drives our team is to make sure that it's not, you don't need to be Part of a yeah you, know, you don't need to be a statutory undertaker, you don't need to be a utility you don't need to have tons of qualifications to access this it's it's for anyone um as long as you're doing the right thing, then it is for anyone and you know, don't get me wrong our asset owners will they have security levels to make sure that people are doing the right thing but if you're if you're excavating and you're wanting to work safely they will they will be there to help you yeah and <clears throat>
0: before uh before we kind of wrap up. Yes, Um and I think you've answered quite a lot of this already, but kind of what's next for the platform? Is there, is there going to be more added to the offering? You mentioned an app that's uh, almost ready
2: to come. Exactly. Come yeah. Out. We've got our, our 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 biggest sort of development in about uh, 10 years, I suppose, um, is, is, is almost there. You know, we're just making sure the last final we're polishing the final little bits of it, um, but that should be here in the next three months. Uh, so that, that will be enhanced functionality it's going to have a, a an enhanced app and 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 whatnot so there's there's lots coming from the technical side i think we've always focused on just getting more and more asset owners on because what we want if if, if we can reach one one uh contractor or one farmer out there listening to this then we want them to do one search as and, and get as much back as possible because there will be some more things to do to get to speak to the non-members but our, our driver is to get more and more of those members on. Um so we started um with what would it have been it'd be probably less than five thousand kilometres of network, which is still, you know, it's a, a lot of mm. networks. um now we've got over a million kilometers that's 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 registered across the UK. So a million, million. kilometres of network um is is a lot lot of pipes and cables but actually if we can keep growing that it means that everyone that uses the service gets something better back they get a little yeah. bit more information for them um and that's that's how measures success but got a few other bits as well that um that that we'd like we're, we're going to release in the new year but I'll have to, i'm gonna have to keep sure about those ones matthew but um um yeah there's there's some exciting things to come at lspad
0: okay well we'll definitely keep an eye out thank you very much Richard thanks for joining me today Uh, thanks very much for having me thank you thank you for listening to Machinery Matters a podcast brought to you by Farm Contractor and Large Scale Farmer magazine if you could please remember to subscribe on your favourite podcast supplier and leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts many thanks bye bye